So, Mr. Joey Svensson, did I say yeah, it? man? You did. You did. It was you were you were a little lazy on the second syllable. It's not Svensson, it's Svensson. So you have to kind of put a little more emphasis. Man, so just think, think, think of it. Think of it this way: son of Sven. So Svensson. Son of Sven. Svensson. Okay. There you go. There you go. Except it is S E N. But that's because I have Norwegian heritage. I'm not a silly Swedish person. Norwegian. So. <laughs> Man, I have Mexican heritage, so I dare you to say Beto Gudino. <laughs> Beta Gudino. Perfect. <laughs> Boom. The man's on fire. The man is yeah. on fire. You did so good, man. Well, welcome to the show. This is called Christian Podcast. I'm here in Southern California. I'm originally from Guadalajara, Mexico. Um, I've been here about 15 years. And I want to tell you a little bit about how I find you or found you. Because you're with uh, Pastor With No Answers podcast. And I love right. it. So I want to, you know, on this morning, I want to talk about a little bit of what you do and what you've learned. Uh, but first, okay, let's just start it right here. Tell me something funny. You know, just before I say anything else, you know, just tell me something funny that happened to you this week. And I'll, I'll tell you something funny too. I will tell you that, does it have to be this week? No. Just something. Okay. So real funny story. I was thinking about this the other day. So I have four kids. And when my son was a youngster, we're talking between two and three, he had, he had constipation. And so we actually called the doctor. It was pretty significant. So we were like, okay, we got we to gotta get an enema. We got we to gotta help him out. And so we explained to him that we were going to have to do something. And so he's, he's, he's standing there on a towel. We've got the little enema ready to, you know, put up his butt. And basically, he's, he's standing there, cute, cute little naked boy. And he, he looks at me and his mom and said, he has a little lisp. He said, you know, the problem with my butt is, is not the main problem. And we looked at him, we we're like, what, what do you, what do you mean? He said, I've got these two bouncy balls and they're stuck. They're stuck inside of this. And he's pointing to his, his, uh, private area. And so I, I, I took my, my two little fingers and I like pinched his scrotum. I said, you mean these two little bouncy balls? He's just like, yes, those bouncy balls, they're stuck. And I don't know. And so <laughs> we lost it. We lost it because he seriously, he had been thinking about this. He's just like, I've got these two things inside of me and and they're just stuck and I don't know what to do. So that's actually one of my funniest stories to tell. I love that story. Ah, that's a good man. That's a good love it. Thank you for sharing. I have one. I'll tell you real quick. I had so uh, last week on Friday. Friday is usually my podcast day. And by that, I mean, um, I do this type of work on Fridays where I do maintenance type of stuff. And it just became a routine, you know, where I started many years ago, like 10 years ago, and I've kept Fridays to do that type of work and it's kind of like uh it just spares my mind right it opens up my mind it's just something I have to do I make a little bit of money and it's good but it helps me think and it helps me listen to you know podcasts and ideas and stuff like that so that's actually yep. how when when I get to how I found you it's you know through that Friday experience but last Friday this is right by the water in Newport Beach and then all of a sudden, I hear this alarm going off. Doo, 
Tsunami alert. Seek higher ground immediately. Tsunami alert. Seek higher ground. I'm like, no, like I have a blower because I blow leaves and stuff. I'm like, are you kidding me? A tsunami? I'm right by the water, right? And it's, it's, uh, I mean, normally we have sunny days in California, but it was a little yeah. windy and I could, you know, uh, it was a little dark, kind of like it was going to rain. So I'm like, this could be it, you know? So I'm thinking, okay, wow. I'm going to higher ground immediately. So luckily, I mean, there's a hill right, right next to where I am. So it would have yeah. probably five minutes and I'm, you know, I'm way on top uh, out of a tsunami's wave. But as I'm going out, I think, man, I'm not going to leave the guy that's inside the house. He's working. He's got headphones on. He probably doesn't know that the alarm is going on. And he's going to drown him right off. So I go knock on the door and yeah. it's the glass window. And I say, tsunami alert. Sick higher ground. Immediately. <laughs> you know? So I'm running, you know, and then I get a phone call from him like two minutes later. And it's like, hey, false alarm. It's the it's it's a test. So they run. Oh it. my like, gosh! Five minutes later, you hear the same thing, the same bells and whistles. You know, doot, doot. this is a test of the Newport Beach uh, alarm system. This is only a test. I'm like, so basically, so basically, you didn't you didn't hear that originally. You didn't hear them say it's just a test. I heard it, but the second time. So I don't know if they did it the first time and I gotcha. missed it, or if they gotcha. didn't do it. And they just did it after the, you know, the announcement. So I was like, okay, that's an Oh my gosh. It's coming. Dude, you just, you just went from having like the, the worst day of your life to the best day of your life. You went from thinking <laughs> a tsunami is going to hit, I may die and our whole city is going to go underwater to none of that's going to happen. Praise yeah. God. We're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. But then also thinking about like, man, am I going to be the guy that saved myself and didn't, no, didn't bring yeah. the other guy and I let him drown? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, good for you, Mr. Good Samaritan, for, for sparing your, your friend's life. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But um, anyways, that's just a funny story. But Fridays became this rhythm where I listen to podcasts. And long ago, you know, since I've been doing this for 10 years, the, you know, the, the Friday thing, so at some point, I'm, I'm just going to tell you a little bit of where I come from, right? Um, I started communications in Mexico. Then when I came to the U.S., my friend had a TV show in Mexico, but it was broadcasting all over the world. So with my background in communications, I told him, hey, would, wouldn't it be cool if I interview a few of the bands? And this is all, I'm talking about like Christian network and yeah. Christian show, like all Christian, Right. So wouldn't it be cool if I interview bands and ministries here in the U.S. and you can put them on your show? He's like, yeah, that'd be great. Let's do it. So I started doing that and started, you know, visiting several ministries, interviewing bands at like, I don't know if you're familiar with the Harvest Crusade. No. No. Well, it's a big, big crusade they do with Pastor Greg Laurie. And it's at... Okay. Anaheim. Yeah, I know who that is. Yeah. So they do it at Anaheim Angel Stadium where, you know, the, the baseball field. And... It gets packed with like 60,000 people. This is all pre-COVID, right? Of course. But they've been doing it for like 25 years. Um, so they bring bands, you know, Christian bands, Jeremy Camp, Jars of Clay, Toby Mag, you name it, right? Like all the big stars of you know, Christian music industry. So I did a few interviews there. But then one day I traveled to Creation Fest in Washington. 
and I met um, well several bands too. But one of the bands that I interviewed was um, Emery. Yeah. And then Emery, at some point, my friend told me, "Hey, you should check out this podcast. This is way back, man. Like years back, like six or seven years back." Um, and he said, "You should check out this podcast. It's by the band Emery that you interview." And you know they're pretty funny and whatnot. So I checked it out, and I, I don't remember if you if you were in that show like from the get go, or not. But eventually, you know, I, I became it became my rhythm where every Friday I'm listening to like these three dudes having a yeah good time. Uh, and that's that's kind of how I met. You know, I mean, it was the Bad Christian podcast, but also I found out oh this guy has his own podcast called um, you know Pastor with No Answers, and just the right. name itself was was super interesting like a pastor with no answers well <laughs> what, what kind of pastor is that <laughs> what kind of questions can i ask <laughs> if he doesn't right. but tell me a little bit about how you came up with the idea of pastors with no answers yeah for me it's like a it, the the name is sending a message of my conviction when it comes to what a pastor is. I think that typically people see pastors as above the crazy spiritual doubts, above depression, above any sort of major spiritual conflict and have all the answers. And if you ask for counsel, they'll give you the perfect advice. And I've always just seen myself as a dude that just so happens to be called to actually lead a church. Like I actually do, I, I do value the assignment. I'll call it an assignment. But when it comes to me as a pastor, I see myself as part of the body of Christ. I, I need my brothers and sisters just as much as they need me. Now, I need to lead the whole thing. I get that. That's like part of my job though. So from a spiritual perspective, we're, we're, we're all the body of Christ. And even if you look at the New Testament, you, you rarely saw like this one pastor figure. It was typically called the, the elders of this church. And so I honestly kind of see myself as a fellow elder that, that, that kind of leads things with, with help. And I also quite frankly, don't have all the answers. And no one has the answers when it comes to deep spiritual questions and theological things that don't make sense. Like pastors, we, we have not figured it out. And I think a lot of pastors pretend to have figured it out because it feels to them like their reputation is threatened if they can't answer a spiritual question. That's just crazy. Like who put us on that pedestal? And so obviously, Pastor With No Answers is an extreme way of communicating all of that, that, hey, I'm a pastor, but I'm no different from anybody else. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. So how is that translating to, into your podcast? Like what, what would be the, one of the goals of Pastor With No Answers? Yeah, so one of the goals would be to hear other people's perspectives and that is the that's the main goal. And so if someone shares a perspective that I don't agree with, I'm typically not going to make a huge disagreement with them unless it will further my understanding of their point of view because 
when I get a guest on the podcast, I'm basically saying to our listenership, hey, here's someone who I think is interesting and I just want you to listen to because I think you would either enjoy it or maybe you would get something out of it. But I'm not saying, hey, this is someone that I agree with everything they're saying. I think sometimes people want you to be combative. And sure, some podcasts are, are set up that way. But recently, the, the episode that has just been released on Pastor With No Answers with, with Jay Baker, he's the son of the most famous televangelist duo, Jim and, and Tammy Faye Baker. He definitely has some theological leanings that I do not agree with, but that wasn't the point of the show. The point of the show was to hear what he believes, what he thinks, kind of where he's at spiritually. And so that, that would be why it's, it's pastor with no answers. Now, I also feel like I am in a new territory in my Christian faith where certainty is not super important to me. And wow. so I think that that comes out also. Now, let me, let me qualify that. I, I have all the faith in the world that, that Jesus is my Savior, that he's God, and that I'm eternally good to go. Like I, I feel, I feel sure of that, but it's still, it's still an act of faith. But when it comes to all the other stuff, like what biblical interpretation and inerrancy and the Trinity and just all these sorts of things that a human can't wrap their mind around, I'm like, we're not supposed to have certainty about all this stuff. Like God is the only one that can have certainty. Another thing about the show though, and it, it may may not be the best way of positioning a podcast. Like I, I think a lot of podcasts are, are maybe better when they have like a, an actual niche of uh, a target. I, I pretty much do episodes with just anything that's interesting for me. So I had a mental health crisis last year and almost took me out, almost completely took me out. And so it took about a year for my wife and I to get to a place where we wanted to share our story to destigmatize mental illness. But we have dropped a couple of episodes that basically walk people through our story and we talk about mental illness. We've got a third one coming up this week, actually. I don't know when this episode is going to air, but I, so we do those sorts of episodes. I've, I've interviewed people that in the indie music scene, my brother and I talk a lot about music and stuff, but for the most part, I come from an evangelical fundamental background. And so I'm interviewing people typically with a more progressive posture because I want to learn from that perspective. But for example, we did a Halloween episode where we interviewed the designated exorcist in the state of Indiana by the Catholic Church. And we heard some crazy, crazy demonic stories that were just, you know, believe it or not, they were some killer, fun, fun stories. You know, I, I, we, we did an episode with Propaganda and his wife who experienced a mental health crash. Brian Zahn is a, is a pastor that has some really, really good political insight. And honestly, we've, we've done an, we've, for really off the wall, we actually did an interview with Westboro Baptist. A lot of people know those guys as the, the picketing church that, that goes into funerals and, and has really atrocious, offensive signs. Like I got in contact with them. And, and that's the thing is a lot of people are, why would you even pay any attention to them? Why would you give them any platform? And it's like, I kind of want to know why they think they can be the way that they are. Mm -hmm. And some people reached out to me and they said, man, I really appreciate the fact that you were able to talk to that dude and, and not 
fight him with anger and raising your voice because honestly I, I wanted to hear their perspective and I, I believe that is an example of someone that we're, we're still to love. I mean, Jesus says, love your enemies. Well, that means everybody in between your friends, your enemies, and everybody in your in between. This guy's not an enemy to me, but he is an enemy to what I believe is human goodness and, and decency. So we still had a decent conversation though. And I respected him as a person. Wow. I love when you say human goodness. Oh man, I'm all about that. Um, and I would say, you know, I almost feel like I know you. This is the first time we're talking, but because of that rhythm that I developed, you know, listening to podcasts and listening, you know, to your, your previous podcast with Bad Christian, I've listened to so many episodes, man. So it, it becomes really like, uh, almost like, hey, this guy could be my friend. You know, you don't know yeah. me, right? But I'm listening to your voice every day or every week. Um, right. and, you know, pastor with no answers. I've listened to so many episodes and I, uh, you know, I listened to the ones about, um, your, de you know, depression or dealing with, you know, the mental illness part. And I wonder how many times I I'm going to be a little long with this, uh, sure. intro to the next question, but I wonder how many times when Jesus interacted with people in his ministry, how much of it was just rhythm and being present and being a part of a community where he would see people every day, you know? So for example, when you read scripture, it's funny that, I mean, he, he lived on earth for like 30 something years, right? But here we have four gospels that is like the summary of what he did. But I love when it says, you know, Jesus showed up to the synagogue in Nazareth as it was usual for him to do. So I'm like, wow, what does that usual mean? Does that mean like he did it for a whole year, for five months, for six months, for three years? Like, I don't know, but it gives you this impression that it's something he did continually. And I wonder how much of his interaction with people was he met people in that way. You know, when he saw somebody and he's healing them, perhaps that was not the first interaction he ever had with them. Perhaps he's seen the beggar you know, again and again, um, or, you know, people suffering any type of illness, maybe he knew about them and it just became, you know, it, one day it became the, the divine encounter or whatever you want to call it. So in that sense, I, I feel like um, I could say a lot about you, for example, you know, like I know you've, you work at a church, right? It's Seacoast, that you're a pastor, that, you know, you yep. wear and the Christian podcast that you, these guys were your best friends, um, that you played in a band. Uh, and you know, I've, I've, um, last year, you know, when I was listening, I'm like, where's Joey. Right. And yeah, as yeah. I was listening to the bad Christian, like where's Joey. And then, you know, trying to find out what happened to you and then coming back to the you know, pastor with no answers and realizing, Oh wow. He really went through a, a, a dark phase. Uh, what was helpful for you to, to overcome that? Well, for me, it was, it, it, it wasn't really a situational mental health crisis. It was, it was actual biological. Well, I'm, I'm, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but I, I have a inheritance from my dad who has struggled with depression. And so I kind of have that in my genes. And I think his dad 
struggled in the same way. So I had been on medication for years. And for those who are unfamiliar with antidepressants, they can put a damper on your sex drive. I'm 43 years old. I don't want to stop having sex. They can kind of dull your, your, your mood and, uh, you know, keep you from crying and really moving movies. And I, I like all that stuff. And so I was just like, you know what? Screw this. I'm, I'm going to try. I'm going to see how I can fare without medication. And I did it at DIY. I didn't tell a psychiatrist and I did, I did taper off slower because I knew that's what you needed to do. But so I had two or three months where I was not falling back into my depression and I was super jazzed. I was super excited. Now my anxiety was through the roof and I didn't really understand anxiety at that point, but I basically crashed big time. Like it was, it was the worst bout of depression I've ever had. And so how I got out of that, honestly, was it was pretty much all medical and, and therapy. So obviously getting back on medication, I spent a week in the mental hospital to basically keep me safe. And I did treatments called ECT. That's like electromagnet convulsive treatments. So it's basically an induced seizure that for some reason or another can help people get out of a major, major bout of depression. So I probably did that like 16 times. And during that time, I can't drive. I had to have my dad drive me there and they actually, they put you to sleep. So they, they, they put you out, they do a little seizure and then you're on your way home. I started to see a therapist regularly and then I kind of uh, adopted a psychiatrist for myself, someone that I could visit in with regularly to talk about my medication and to get his expertise and everything. So it was basically hitting it from all angles because it was, it, it, you know, it, I, I told you a little while ago, it, it almost did not end well. And for the first time in my life, you know, as someone who has struggled with depression for my whole life, the first time I understood why people take their lives. I never could really wrap my mind around it. But when I went through what I went through and actually experienced that, like now I get it. I, I understand why people kill themselves. Could you say, I mean, could you say why? Or is it just a, a series of elements that it's, it's almost like undescribable? Or can you say this is why? Sure. So obviously everybody's situation is going to be different, but when your brain gets severely sick, you, you know, people need to realize the brain is an organ, just like your kidney, just like your heart. But fortunately and unfortunately, it is the mechanism that basically controls all the other organs, but also your, your mental vantage point, how you see the world, your perspective, your mood, your ability to reason all of that stuff. So if it gets severely sick, you, you can really be convinced of some stuff. So I, I got to a point where I was convinced that A, I wasn't ever going to get better. Like I, I truly thought this is it. Wow. Like I had a conversation with my wife and I said, you need to tell the kids that it was a good run. Wow. Like we, we, we did this together and I was their father for a little while, but the show is over. You need to tell them that. And so I truly believe that I wasn't going to get better. 
And so then that changed into, well, if I'm not going to get better, wouldn't the kids be better off moving on without me? And so I literally had about a day and a half or two days where I was absolutely convinced that the only option was to take my life. Like I was, I was a hundred percent convinced that was what I needed to do for my family and, and for myself. So now having gone through that and being on the other side of that, I don't believe that anymore. Like I truly don't believe that I, I should have done that, but that that's people have got to let that sink in when your brain gets sick. It, it, it changes your whole filter system. And so that's why I understand that when your brain gets sick enough, you can get to a place where, I mean, you can call it temporary insanity that, that you, you truly believe that you should take your life. And so that, that would be, I guess how I would describe it. That's, that's so interesting, man. I, I don't think I've ever met or yeah, like I, I don't have any really connection to anyone that has gone through you know, like mental illness on that severity right uh, and and it's it's really hard for me to wrap around you know my head around like what does this mean why would people do that um other than what you're explaining right now and as you're saying i really believe there was that things couldn't get better see i have this tagline here on the podcast that says um hope is the only future and And in a sense, I mean, but, but you're saying really that, um, that the, the brain as an organ, right. It's, it's not capable. Are you saying like, as a, like the physicality of the brain cannot produce hope, cannot produce a mental picture of a better future. Yeah. At, at a certain point that can happen. It's so it's, it's physiological. It changes your thoughts, dude. I did not have any hope, none. Like I, I did not, like I was convinced the show was over and I'm never getting better. There was no hope, you know, and this, we haven't released this third episode on our story. It's coming out in a couple of days, but I talked to, we interview our, our pastor friend who is also a licensed therapist. And he asks us, was there a certain point when spirituality was not helpful. Hmm. And I was like, yes, absolutely. Like I crossed that line by a mile. If, if anything, visiting my faith brought more stress because I, I was freaking out about my doubts and I was freaking out about th stuff that I just have no business freaking out about. So I, I couldn't even see spirituality as a positive thing. So yeah, I mean, it, it's, 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 physiological i there i i did not have any hope yeah didn't have hope it, it to me it's so interesting the connection between between like the physicality of the brain the organ with the spirituality of who we are as human beings and in my mind i i feel like they're just co correlated and connected and i i i feel like i cannot separate them you know and even as i talk about hope To me, it's a very spiritual act, but um, uh, I'm just curious, you know, what is helpful for people around you or for people that don't understand it? What has been helpful for them to, you know, maybe open their minds to like, oh, this is what Joey is going through. Um, yeah, like, yeah, I don't know. Just 
what is how do you tell people about this you know how do you kind of help or or those of us who don't understand what it means what is helpful to say so that maybe we can have a better idea of like hey you know if, if you see it this way you know you might yeah, so i i mean i would make a distinction i would make a distinction with what i went through with 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 what i've experienced my whole life so i experience bouts of depression bouts of anxiety this is a whole new ball game like this this is a once in a lifetime and i truly believe that too because i'm never going to get completely off my medication this was a once in a lifetime sort of deal and so that you know depend it depends on which one you're talking about if you're talking about what i went through last year that what what we're discussing right now i mean one thing i can tell you is there was very very well-meaning dear friends that said hey man let's just go out to eat man like like let's let's get your mind off things like man let's just go for a walk let's oh my gosh they just could not understand that i could not get my like there's certain times where i i no way in hell i'm gonna go into a restaurant i don't want to see people i don't want to talk to people there's nothing that i can give you and there's nothing you can give me that is any help like i woke up one morning and my wife had written on a little dry erase board your friend scott is on the way here scott's three hours away he was coming on his day off to visit me for an hour and a half and he was going to go back up to the charlotte area I texted him and my wife immediately and said, do not come, do not come. Like I did not want, I did not want to see anyone. So I think that's what people have to understand is once it gets to a certain place, the, the sort of normal practical things of, hey, just get out of the house hmm. is useless. Wow. So why... <laughs> what would be uh so in my so in my situation yeah. and and this was confirmed by our friend chip who i refer to pastor therapist for my situation i believe i believe in therapy i believe in medicine i believe in all of that but for my situation i wasn't going to be able to cover any ground of getting better until medication started to fix stuff. So it would kind of be like if you, if you got a compound fracture in your arm, first things first, you got to get a cast on that thing. Like your, your arm's not going to heal on its own. So you could say, hey, I, I won't really use my arm or hey, I'll, I'll try to strengthen my shoulder muscles. No, 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 no. Get a daggum cast on your arm first that's the first step and so that's basically the same situation i was in is therapy is not going to do a thing for you you, getting out of the house isn't going to do a thing we need some medication to fix some stuff first yeah and what about the people that uh i mean i grew up in mexico and like i was saying i I didn't have i never met anyone going through like uh, something like that right severe but what if it's somebody that just doesn't have that type of um, even resources around him to even to even say, oh, you know, I'm seeing a therapist, right? I mean, everything comes down to you got to spend money on you know, paying somebody and things mm-hmm. like that, right? Or somebody's got to pay for it, right? What about the people that, that don't have these resources? I mean, are, are you familiar with anything that's happening in, 
Um, in other places, even here in America or around the world with mental illness, are you aware, um, you know, of just statistics or things like that? Or, or is your case very particular case? Or are you familiar with, no, yeah, there's several people that go through this similar stuff, right? Yeah, you know, I don't really know the stats because I don't think that they get that specific. I just know that my psychiatrist distinguished you, you have a you, you have a major depressive episode he he distinguished mine as extremely major depressive episode like it was it was kind of a okay this is this is a new animal sort of thing wow does that make sense yeah extreme yeah because yeah. one of my so here's here's another interesting story right? I'm saying I don't know anyone and I do know someone. Um, my uncle in Mexico, he's, I mean, my uncle and my aunt, they're probably in their, in their seventies, but for the past 15 years or so, he's been battling depression, right? And, and I don't think it's, it's you not know, like you're saying this is severe and this is like a whole new level, right? But as they're visiting, you know, the, the psychiatrist or whatever it is, um, they're saying, you know what? He's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. This is, this is the psychiatri psychiatrist telling my, my aunt, your husband is going to go from, from bad to worse to worse as he ages. You know, this is, uh, they call it the chronic uh, depression or something like that. Really? Yeah, that's what, so they're saying, you know, eventually it's going to come worse and worse. But this is depression, right? I don't know if, if, if there's a, another term for like, you know, one day he's going to say, you know, I want to kill myself or something. I, I don't think it was like that, you know, but it's, it's so hard for me to understand it. Like, what do you mean? I mean, does that mean that he's just going to be like a grumpy uh, old man as he gets older and she's going to be more grumpy and almost like you were saying, right? I don't want to see anyone uh, and I don't want to be, you know, if people are battling this, uh, I don't want to sound like a jerk, you know, or like, <laughs> in a sense, I just don't understand, right? Yeah. But I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around it and what does it mean even for my, my uncle to go through something like that. And when somebody says, you know, it's just going to get worse, uh, you know, in the brain, depression is like, okay, so what do you do? I mean, if there's, yeah. if there's nothing you can do. But what can you do? You know, so my, my aunt, every now and then, she tells my dad in Mexico, because he's got a cabin in the woods, he's like, hey, can I borrow your cabin for, for a weekend? He's like, I just got to get away from my husband for a weekend yeah. because I feel like I, I need to breathe. You know, I need to be outside of that. And as I think of faith, as I read it in scripture, right? And with Paul, of course, I mean, when, when you ask, what is faith? Faith is the evidence of things and sin. Um, it's almost like calling out what, what doesn't exist into existence, but even, uh, how would you define it? You know, uh, how would you describe faith to people? Man, <laughs> do we have two more hours? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, I mean, I think it's going to look differently for everyone, but for me, it's, man, I have. I have based my whole life on this glorious story of God becoming man 
and actually beating death and, and, and resurrecting. And so, man, I, I would go so far to say this may sound funny that if I ever started to doubt that I'd say, screw it. I've been in this thing for way too long. There ain't no way I'm, I'm throwing in the towel. Like I will hold on to that hope no matter how dim it, it, it looks. Now I just so happen to believe very fervently in, in the resurrection, but I, I will tell you, man, that there are definitely times where I just am, am, am such in a questioning, um, I, I feel like, golly, like do, does anyone even have a small percentage of this stuff figured out? Like what in the world do we know? What do we not know? What do I believe that's not right? What do I, uh, I mean, just, just feeling completely overwhelmed with those sorts of thoughts. And I will tell you this, that for me, it's been a really big deal to have these, I've talked about it before, but it's almost like these split second spiritual encounters where I feel complete utmost peace. And I cannot describe it any other way than the presence of God saying, Hey man, you're okay. Like just, you're fine. Like you, you know, you got to go through a lot of this stuff maybe to help other people that go through the same sort of deconstruction, but you're fine. I'm with you always. And you know what? If it's not God, it, 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 I, I, that's not affecting me negatively because I really believe it is. And so if I, if I find out on the other side of life that it wasn't God, well, who cares? It was super helpful, but I am, I am pretty much 99% convinced that that's, that's, that's our, my, my father, my mother taking care of me. Perfect God. Wow. And <laughs> I mean, what would be the, the, the 1% that's missing just the uncertainty or the, the 1% is the fact that I, 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 I beg to differ with Christians that say we can have certainty about what we believe. I'm like, no, you can't like, let, let's just, let's just boil it down to science for a second. You don't know if what we believe is true. There is a chance that none of this is true. There's a chance. Like, of course there's a chance. Like, please, to, for the love of God, let's admit the fact there's a chance that nothing we believe is true. Like, it, it just, it's scientific. There is a chance. You have never died. <laughs> you have not died before. So that, you know, it, it, it's logical that you do not know and you can be wrong and I can be wrong. So that's where that 1% falls. Okay, because because my question would be, as I, I'm I'm just gonna stay with no, stick to the theme of hope and faith. Could faith be that one percent? Hmm. You know, as I think when when Jesus said something like, you know, even if you had the faith as smallest as the grain of a mustard seed, you know, like the smallest of all seeds. You could tell a mountain move and, and it will throw, if, throw off into the ocean. I wonder, I'm not talking about certainty or uncertainty. I'm talking about, could that be the, the point one step that we need to make to, to see a different outcome? 
Yeah. So I, I think that for me, yes, but that proportion changes. So that, that 99%, 1% was when I feel like a spiritual encounter, so to speak, but there'll, there'll be some times where maybe I'll be 60% sure and 40% faith. Maybe there's times where I'm like 20% convinced and it's 80% required faith. Like I, I think it kind of, I think it kind of ebbs and, and flows. Like there, there are definitely times when way more faith is, is needed. I don't know if that's how it works or not, but that's, that's kind of, it's kind of how it sits in my head is that that's going to, that's going to fluctuate. Like I, 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 it was a little while ago, I tweeted something along the lines of there's, there's, there's some days and I, I don't know how or why I believe. And then there's some days that I don't know how I could ever question my belief. And, and today's one of those days. And so that's, that's just a part of the spiritual journey. I think sometimes we're going we're gonna to feel like we're on real solid ground. And then there's going to be times where it's just like, hi, right, man, I just don't know. This is hard. And I think, you know, going back to the whole pastor thing is pastors aren't allowed to do that. Nobody wants a pastor that admits that kind of stuff. No, you, you need to have your stuff together because I need you. And that's where you get into some very, very unhealthy territory. Because if, if as a pastor, you can't be open to people. I mean, I, I, I'm, very un- I'm a very unorthodox pastor. Like I, I feel like the, you know, if you want to call them a flock, let's, let's be super traditional. I feel like the flock is there for me too. Like we're, we're all here together. Like I said, I've been tasked with leading the whole operation, so to speak, but we are all here together. I need to have a place where I can doubt. I need to have a place where I can say, man, I, I, this is scary. Like things don't make sense and that sort of thing. And, and that's why I think that the pastoral role can be super, super healthy for people because that's not what people want you to be. But I've, I've been a part of our church body now for 12 years and I make it clear to people, look, if you want that kind of pastor, you need to go elsewhere because that's not who I am. Now, if you want someone that you can maybe relate more to and someone who admits that I need you guys as much as you need me, then this is the place for you. And I think people, I think, I think pastors would actually be shocked to see, uh, not, not all, because like, like I said, some people want a hero, but I think a lot of pastors would be shocked when people would be like, oh my gosh, I can relate to that guy. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll follow that guy. I'll follow that lady. Uh, you know, I'll follow them because I can relate to that. Yeah. And how does that translate to, so, so a little bit of like the, the progressive thinking and the deconstruction, it's for sure it's outside the church, but how does it work for you working at the church? Are these people that are, no, they're, they're, they're attending church uh, with their doubts or, or does that have to be something outside of the, you know, the scope of what the attending the church does? I mean, there, there's just, there's all sorts of ways of looking at this. Like I, I have a, a, a woman in her eighties who's an elder of our church and actually listens to my podcast pastor with no answers. And she came from a very traditional upbringing mm-hmm. also. And not only does she love the podcast and finds it very thought provoking, but she also is a part of our church that 
her and I basically see kind of the, the two different worlds, so to speak. But I think in actuality, there's really not two different worlds. You load up a, a place, a room of, you know, a few hundred worshipers and people are all over the map with how they see faith, how convinced they are, how much doubt has crept in. And so I, there's, there's some people that are a part of our, our church here in Charleston that listen to the podcast and it floats their boat. And then there's some people that probably haven't heard about it. And then there's probably people that heard it and maybe were offended. You know, I, I, I don't know, but it's, that's a, yeah, that's, but, but I'll say this. I don't think that there's too many churches that I could work for. Maybe, maybe no other, because my, my questions and my more progressive posture is fully known by our lead pastor, fully known. Like I, I've had conversations with him. I said, you need to know this is where I'm at. And we've, we, there's a special place around here, man. Seacoast is a special place where w- people don't feel threatened by that. Hey, I believe in Jesus. I believe in the resurrection. That's our common ground. And you know, that, that also, it, it definitely matters that there's a lot of longevity there. I mean, they've known me now for 15 years, but it really speaks volumes of, of the sort of trust our church has in, in God and what we're mainly after. We're not mainly after everybody having the same doctrines as much as we're mainly after offering people community and a place for belonging. And uh, that's something that will, that's a hill we'll die on. That's so good, man. Well, thank you for sharing that. And you know, as we wrap up, uh, well, what is the, where is Seacoast at? Say again. Where is Seacoast at? Uh, so it's, it, there's like 13 locations. So there's a bunch in Charleston. That's, that's, that's the main area where they're congested in, like a bunch of them in Charleston. But there's one in Asheville. There's one in Greenville. There's a couple in Columbia, South Carolina. So all of them are in South Carolina except for Asheville, North Carolina. Ah, okay. And then, and then we have a pretty significant online presence where there's people all over the world listening to messages and tuning in on Sunday mornings. Awesome. Well, Joey, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing some light on you know, what it means to have uh, mental illness and, and in a sense overcoming it. You know, I commend you, man, for even being a pastor who is willing to, to have more questions maybe than answers. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Invite people to invite people to that journey, and maybe I I, I don't want to be I don't want to be a Pharisee man, but maybe the one question I would leave is like, what is that? What is that? What is faith, and what is that other percent look like? You know, the, the whatever other percent, but I want to believe that there's always hope and there's always a better future so even for my uncle you know i feel like i gotta i gotta call him and say man even if the woman is saying there's no hope i want to say right now there is and i don't know what it looks like but i I don't want to tune i don't know i I just feel like i want to think more no half full glass and positive than than you know but would you have any last words or thoughts you want to share no, man, we covered a lot of ground. I appreciate it. It was a fun conversation. Oh, uh, cool. Thank you so much, man. Have a good one. Bless you. Yeah, you too, man. All the best. Thank you so much. Bye. Well, you know what? 
thanks for listening to this episode of Christian Podcast. If you liked this episode, share it with friends and family. Make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review wherever you can. You can also visit christianpodcast.com to learn more about our show. Hasta la vista.